Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Loop Podcast. It's your boy Gaetano. I am an advisor to Cognizant. And today we're speaking with Andre Zinkovich, uh, the co-founder of FullFunnel.io. Andre, what's up, man? Welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. As you know, always excited to chat with you all things related to B2B marketing. Uh, definitely, definitely. I think um, what's cool about this interview is that I have basically specialized my entire career around bottom of funnel demand capturing. I think you're a bit more of a full funnel marketer, <laughs> no That's pun true. intended, but uh, it's going to be cool to jam out on some longer term uh, like marketing strategies. Because as you know, B2B demand capture, um, it's very short-term focused. It's like, who's in market right now? How do you get them through the funnel as easy as you can? Whereas a lot of the things that you specialize in with Full Funnel, it's more about the long-term play. So I'm really excited to talk about that stuff with you, man. Same here. So let's dive in. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So um, what actually is your role now at Full Funnel? Like, like, what do you do there and what are you focused on? Yeah, so as a co-founder of Full Funnel, I'm wearing several hats. Obviously, I do <laughs> clients' projects as you at Cognizant. So we have a slightly different business model as we help uh, B2B companies that sell high ACV products and have long sales cycles because of the product complexity, we help them to develop full final operations, as you mentioned, from basically which uh, consists of three pillars, go-to-market strategy, awareness and demand generation, and account-based marketing, uh, which sometimes people say ABX, whatever, there are a bunch of different definitions for me still, it's just pretty simple, account-based marketing where both marketing and sales are involved. Oh man, uh, no easy, no easy tasks there. Um, I wonder what what do you think is easier? Kind of like this full funnel approach to marketing, where you're doing like a bit of awareness, you're doing a little bit of ABM, some of the longer term plays, or do you think demand capture is easier? I mean, they both have their kind of pros and cons. They're both difficult in their own ways. But what what's your take on you know the complexity of kind of longer term marketing versus demand capture? I think. Basically, you pretty nailed it down when you were describing demand capture and basically marketing to those companies that are already buying, right? That are in the buying mode. Now, the problem is that in the environment where we operate, right, where we help companies is that a lot of potential buyers of our customers are not even buying. They are not even aware that they have a problem that this product solves, right? So just to give you a specific example, we have a company that automates specific lines for the biggest European manufacturer like Nestle, Coca-Cola, you name it, right? And a lot of engineers who are very technical buyers, right? Not marketers who are handing out on LinkedIn all the day long, right? And consistently learning. These people have specific jobs to be done, right? And they have a kind of standard operations and they follow these operations. Obviously, these things could be improved, but they're not aware that these things could be improved, right? And uh, in that case, we can't do demand capturing only, right? We can 
I mean, we can try multiple things, but how you can sell to people who are not even aware that they need this product, right? So uh, where I'm going with that point, that uh, on many markets, you need to develop holistic operations, which we call full funnel marketing, awareness, demand generation, demand capturing. And in most cases, a lot of people think about demand capturing in a very linear way. Okay, let's do, you know, let's do retargeting, let's bid on some specific keywords, brand search, etc., and capture that demand and sell. But when we are talking about, let's say, 500K deals, 1 million deals, right, you simply won't be able to... Uh, generate revenue that way i mean every, everybody wants you know simply run ads put more money into dollar machine and then get revenue back but it doesn't work that way so when what we mean in our space by demand capturing is a holistic playbook for marketing and sales where they track what's happening in these specific accounts right are there any let's say initiatives that might fit our product are there any specific, uh, let's say, intent signals that they are going to at least consider that pro uh, product or whatever, right, or solution? Are there any specific signs that we have attracted the attention of these people and they engage with our core pillars of content? So when, because in that case, right, we do the transition from their traditional jobs to be done to the new way of doing operations right are there any signals that tell us that they are transitioning right and this is in our case this is what we mean by demand capturing because next in that case comes activation how are we going to personalize our offer to all buying committee members so it would make perfect sense to them and they would consider purchasing that project right so we make several distinctions here from uh, traditional let's say demand capturing but if you look at what i just have described in that case pure demand capture won't work right maybe there are some let's say transactional b2b businesses i don't know five dollars crm obviously you can play with demand capturing but that's completely another story yeah i love the way you broke it down there um <clears throat> you know i've always positioned myself with companies who are selling those, you know, low cost B2B product led sort of motion products, right? Yeah. Uh, identity theft protection, voice over IP. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, we did have occasional whales come in through demand capture, you, you, but to your point, it's totally unpredictable. And so um, that is basically the distinction you're making there as you very nicely, you know, gave like the overview context of, the approach you guys have to, to creating the demand in the market. Uh, I don't know if you heard this phrase, damning the demand. Like if you have <laughs> yeah. something that like nobody really knows about yet. So in the case of like winter.com, those guys doing message testing, Yeah, there's not really a lot of demand to be captured for message testing. So they have to damn the demand, so to speak. And uh, I'm sure you guys come across quite a lot of that as well because you're working with expensive products that maybe, uh, you know, the pain, the jobs to be done, as you mentioned, specific jobs to be done, uh, there's not a, a widely searched for term that you can just go and capture that demand. So um, I think that's a good transition point, dude, into talking about sales. Like, mm -hmm. how do you guys work with sales? It, this is like such a complex subject because there's, you know, there's pre-funnel, there's once they're in the funnel, then there's like kind of that, like pushing them over the edge, like, 
how do you guys just think about uh, even when in, in your day to day client work? Like, how do you guys like align with sales at the very like most basic level um, when you're just like getting a new campaign going with a client? Like, how does that work? Yeah, and uh, what is really interesting here is that um, you you raise that point, which basically leads us to to look at the most common problem we are we are noticing every single day: siloed work. So there is marketing team, and the bigger is the organization, the bigger is the silos. So I mean, there are several teams: content team, marketing team client success team, sales team. Sales team is divided into regional managers, account executives, you know, SDRs, etc. All of these people work in silos. That's that's basically, of course, that drive that, this is something that's driving me nuts, but I mean, this is the reality, right? And in that space, what we, uh, we just described, right, this, let's say, high-ticket deals, right it's it, it, you can't simply allow yourself to work in silos hence from day one you need to develop this uh, playbook and this basically the essence of uh, account based of the right account based marketing right you start with obviously you need to nail down the go to market strategy which stands for what segments we are going to focus and why right what is ideal customer profile because icp for every segment should be always uh, created differently right and then when it comes to icp we need to have this basic alignment aside from um let's say very broad target and hey let's sell to all the banks that are located in north america right so first of all uh you focus only on pharma graphics which uh, always base makes all campaigns doomed beforehand why because all these companies were not created equal right and there is jp morgan and there is some local bank i don't know somewhere in you know like in the central uh you know state and they can generate completely different revenue for you right should you market to and sell to them the same way obviously no but companies do exactly this they follow completely opposite products right next all of these accounts what we need to be aware of if you'll talk to any sales professional they would always tell you what makes accounts good fit and what makes accounts bad fit, right? And this is what we call account qualification and disqualification criteria. Obviously, we love to look at it holistically and analyze loss deals to define the patterns because quite often we could be biased when we discover this, you know, criteria. And we look at the best customers, what do they have in common? Next is the buying committee because the truth is that we are not selling to accounts, right? We are se still selling to people. And the higher is the deal value, the more people are involved, as simple as that. And which leads to the next point. The more people are aware of your product and its value in the organization, the higher are the chances that you'll generate opportunity, right? And that's why we need to have this complete playbook, which you mentioned, right? So starting from day one, obviously the way how it could be planned and how this joint playbooks are created we start from the goals okay what we want to achieve what the, there are there could be multiple ways but i would at least uh, share at least one which is my preferable right i would look at sales pipeline velocity and our revenue trajectory so what's happening in our organization we have current metrics as sales qualified opportunities our win rate our acv and our sales cycle lens right with these numbers what revenue can we expect based on our sales cycle lengths? Now, if we'll fill in this report for last 
for the last six months or last 12 months, we'll definitely see, uh, let's say, some uh, fluctuations in these numbers, right? So what's happening with these metrics? Uh, and then how? what would be the right metric to focus on, right? That's, that's the first element that we, or let's say the first step that we can take into consideration. Next step is having this open discussion around why we are having problems with that specific metric. And it could because, uh, I mean, what I don't like when companies look always at leads, hey, we just need to generate more leads, you know, that's <laughs> most common <laughs> goal setting approach in B2B organizations, right? But aside, uh, like, what's the point of generating more leads if you have a low win rate, right? So it doesn't help. Or if you generate more tier three accounts and you don't generate tier one or you are not winning deals with tier one, right? So there are so many variables you need to consider. So we need to have this discussion, right? Why we're having problem with specific metric with ACV or with a win rate or why our sales cycle is extending, right? Why it becomes longer and more difficult to close these deals and why this have, what are the reasons of this? Because, and then it should shouldn't be, you know, the blaming game, so I blame you for this. It should be just, okay, so these are the problems so we can prioritize, right? Next, okay, what is the lowest hanging fruit or what would be, the, maybe we can formulate it differently, what would be the right motion to fix that bottleneck, right? And then what could be the lowest hanging fruit, which is kind of short-term oriented, right? That can generate immediate positive outcomes so that creates momentum in the team everybody would be happy to continue this we can report something to senior leadership so getting more support at least i'm not saying about getting more money but at least getting more support uh, for the things that we are running right as the team and then the next step is usually what i'm seeing like maybe these three steps are logical for everybody but what happens Next is something that is not that obvious, is creating a very clear playbook because, I mean, you're in demand generation space, you know, a lot, uh, it probably have heard multiple cases when people tell, yeah, we just need to do demand generation because, like, uh, our brand is not well, you know, not well established on our market or whatever. And then you ask, okay, fair enough, but what does demand generation mean, right? And then there is an awkward pause. Somebody would describe it, okay, so let's run ungated content, let's do whatever, some sort leadership. There is no clear playbook, but clear playbook means, okay, I myself, I'm in sales, Gaetano is in marketing, so we are going to run sort leadership on LinkedIn. What does it mean? Okay, we are going to interview a few of our customers and understand their buying triggers, right? What has happened in the beginning of, of their journey, what attracted their attention. And you have really perfect framework when you were uh, distinguishing these different uh, topic potentials, right? So where we can do like we can publish something purely for brand awareness because that can attract attention of target accounts, right? And something could be kind of more like a case study where we present our product as a natural solution to a specific challenge. And we need to have all of this, right? So then we structure and we start defining, okay, how many posts are we going to publish? And let's say we can do a split in the uh, targeting of different buying committee members, whatever. I am going to... Um, 
create content that is tailored to CEO, you are going to create content that is tailored to CFO, right? And then you are going to connect with these people, you are going to engage with these people, and that should be measured. So how many posts are going to publish every week? How many meaningful engagements? And by meaningful engagement, let's say you are visiting profile, you add a comment that adds value to the conversation that these people have on their profiles, right? How many personalized connection requests we are going to send and one more thing, which we call non-sales touch. It's all about understanding where this prospect in their buyer journey, right? Uh, so you can ask how are you guys doing this, right? Or have you ever thought about this, whatever, not just not pure product pitch, right? And these are the pillars that you need to measure. Then. The next step is obviously if our sales cycle length is 12 to 18 months, how can we expect opportunities immediately coming in? Obviously, that would be ideal outcome, but it's not fair to set up the expectations that way, right? What could be fair is saying, okay, I would be able to connect with these people uh, for, that belong to the buying committee group of our target accounts and have these conversations and define where they are in the journey so I can make a forecast on more or less when the opportunity with these accounts could be created, right? That's the right way of measuring it. Having these conversations happening is already a huge achievement because many sales reps, I mean, probably everybody who is listening to us can agree with this. For many sales reps, simply have a good conversation with their target account is already a huge win, right? So why we are not saying that this works, right? Obviously, we can track the positive signals like if these accounts are visiting our website, right? And also they check our high intent pages, for example, product demo, pricing, vertical solutions, use cases, whatever, right? These are all positive signals. If they're engaging with our content, right? If... Uh, if they are replying back to us, obviously, if they ask about our product, these are all positive signals that prove that this playbook works, right? And uh, I know probably everybody would be interested, but what would be the right, let's say, timeline to evaluate if it works or no? And answer is simple as it should be equal to your sales cycle length. If your sales cycle length is 12 months, it's not fair to evaluate the program earlier, right? And I'm not, because maybe revenue is not coming, but that's why I mentioned these positive signals. It's super important to track it, right? Because that actually leads to revenue. This is something that's, we can, that could be converted into revenue in the nearest future, right? And this is what a lot of companies uh, basically forget to track. And a lot of companies, they do a very bad comparison to existing motions, right? But is it fair to compare something that you just started to execute, right, in the past few months to, let's say, whatever outbound motion or demand capturing that you were running for years? Is it fair to compare? Obviously, no, right? But then you can compare these positive signals, right? And then you'll always see that if, like the, if the playbook works or if it doesn't work. Man, how do you have all that in your head? <laughs> that, that, that's a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's natural because I came from that world. I, I spent first five yeah. years in sales and then switched to marketing. So how, how long have you been doing uh, account-based marketing? Ooh, so for 18 years. 
Wow. Okay. So you, you started in sales, you got into marketing. I mean, you obviously have like the both sides of the spectrum covered. So that's why I think, uh, you know, you probably have an advantage, right? Because most marketers have not really ever sold anything. Yeah. Um, so being in that place where you've done both sales and marketing uh, gives you that advantage. I mean, you just basically broke down the entire playbook, everything from like the operating model to how to work with sales to the timeline to how to, you know, diagnose whether or not it's working. I mean, as you were just like talking through that, I just kind of felt like, damn, like demand capture kind of is easy. Uh, it is easier in some respects just because you can focus on one channel almost or one or two channels and just like do that. But the stuff you're talking about is a uh, all across the board approach with a lot of collaboration, a lot of cross-functional discussion and alignment and you got to work with sales and it's just like all this stuff and it's like 12 month sales cycles and it's just like, fuck, demand capture, you just go and capture demand. So you don't really have to go and do all that stuff. But um, man, uh, I, I think... The, the thing I'm wondering also about is tools. Do you feel like a lot of this stuff can be done without tools or do you feel like tools are essential to the success of a program like that? Yeah, so there are two answers to that question, right? First of all, obviously tools help to run these operations, but the problem is that a lot of marketers and a lot of salespeople think that tools are the ultimate solution or basically that the tools create the process. Uh, I mean, when I started my career at Kimberly Clark in 2006, we didn't have HubSpot, Salesforce, Demandbase, Cognizm, etc. right? So I came and uh, when I became key account manager, we had 52 or 53 accounts in our region and the deals uh, I mean annual deal value varied from 500k to 50 million in annual right and then i mean what else you could do aside from account-based marketing and aside from very close collaboration with sales because when you know that the deal value is 50 million right you know it's like kind of remember that old game called solitaire right so you can't make a mistake here and you do that there were not even a thinking how can i automate everything you did everything that's basically is essential in terms of account-based marketing nowadays with like with the help of all these tools you can accelerate this process you can refine these processes but the core point here is that you need to have this established processes first and then you can use something that helps you you know to get uh, what we call account intelligence, right? Get a holistic overview of all interactions with account coming from digital sources, from intern sources, from offline sources, etc. right? Obviously CRM, obviously you can set up uh, whatever marketing automation if you want, not a big fan of it, but doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, you can create, you know, sales sequences in in, in a sense, which I, what, what I really hate is this, automated you know outbound scripts by sequences i mean that uh every day i'm a sales rep log into my sales loft account gonk or whatever right and then i say okay these are the 
actions that I need to make. And these actions could be, you know, like run an account research or buy a research or whatever, right? And that's that's super helpful. So it's kind of a workflow for me. So I'm not missing the important steps of that specific process. And obviously, with the help of tools like whatever Cognizant, for example, right? You can uh, do account enrichment faster. You don't need, you know, to scroll yellow pages to find the contact. That's that that's for sure, right? But again, first processes, then tools that help to accelerate this process. Sorry, yeah, that. I love that. <clears throat> I love that. You know, uh, you go to the tool with a strategy already built. You don't hope that you go to a tool and that it gives you a strategy on the backside of that. Uh, exactly. So, exactly. Well, dude, this this has been a, a phenomenal conversation. I personally did learn a lot um, just hearing you talk through like the whole orchestration of this. Just because I've never, um, <clears throat> like, it's never been my responsibility to do ABM as like the only thing that I focus on. You know, I work with ABM teams primarily on the content and targeting and advertising side, but I'm rarely the person kind of like conducting everything, being the orchestrator between marketing and sales. And just hearing you talk about like all those steps just makes me realize how hard of a job that really is. So, uh, dude, I, I definitely thank you for giving that overview and just kind of taking us through the whole playbook. Um, we want to end it on rapid fire questions. Uh, sure. It's pretty simple. There's just really two questions. Uh, the first question is, um, what is something that you would recommend marketers stop doing? <laughs> I have a lot of things to say here. Yeah, if you could only pick one, yeah, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, um, stop thinking uh, about buying. Jo- uh, we are talking about B two B marketing, obviously. Stop thinking that uh, buying process is linear, and you can create kind of utopia funnels that can magically convert, you know, all buyers into some opportunities. Yeah, I I think we're getting better at convincing the masses that this is the wrong way to go i'm starting to feel that shift happen like it seems like more and more marketers are you know awakening to to the reality of uh that linear process being kind of like just dead um are you also starting to feel that because i'm I'm starting to get that that Uh, vibe yes and no because when so for example just to give you an idea i just came back from london right and we had a fantastic event with uh at demand base uh, right that uh, demand base hosted this and i asked like there were 150 people in the room i asked to stand up everybody who is running abm everybody stood up then i asked like please sit down if you are not satisfied with your outcomes right and then almost the entire room sat down and there is a specific reason because people agree that the playbooks are broken especially in terms of these linear funnels right but when you as marketers started doing things start planning marketing programs you suddenly forget about this and then you start doing you know things that make no sense i i personally think there are always reasons why this happens and one of them is wrong expectations or investors pressure or executive pressure right and the wrong mindset in the organization where marketing role is not really established it could be treated as you know sales assistant function or whatever as legion function and then if market even good marketers when they join these companies right and we can also need to think about psychological reasons why they are doing this right they have families salaries mortgage whatever and just to justify their existence they start doing stupid things that 
don't really work. Even realizing and agreeing with us, yeah, it makes no sense. But generally, I, I see a lot of conversations that indeed that these playbooks are broken, but um, I didn't see a huge shift. I mean, in, that's a lot of companies restructured it despite of these conversations. But I hope that would happen. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, and then the final one is on the flip side, what is something you would recommend marketers should start doing? Okay, being more proactive in terms of uh, revenue generation, which means, first of all, tracking what's happening with pipeline, uh, having regular synchronize, synchronization meetings with sales, talking about their needs, about where the accounts in the journey, and simply, even if you don't have established playbooks, you can simply ask a question, okay, you have this strategic account, how can I help you to move them forward, right? How can I help you to win more deals, etc.? And obviously, I would also recommend to join a few sales calls, because then, you won't be wearing pink glasses, right? You'll see all the reality and hurdle sales people are facing every single day, especially those ones that are having dials as their KPI, you know, and doing all of really, really tough job. I mean, <laughs> mentally tough. And then you'll see you'll see the reality and start thinking in ways, okay, how can I help these guys to win more deals and print more revenue in-house? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, that's very simple and straightforward advice, but sometimes the most simple and straightforward is the most practical and the most effective. So thanks, Andre. This has been a phenomenal talk. And uh, where can they hit you up? I guess they can go to fullfunnel.io if they want to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can open LinkedIn and just quickly search for Andre Zinkevich. You'll probably find only one bold guy with that full name. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you one thing, uh, the content you guys put out for free is like masterclass level content. I mean, the, the free stuff you put out could be uh, company strategy guides. It's that good. So, uh, and I don't, I don't put that out there lightly. So good job to you guys at Full Funnel doing uh, great uh, content marketing, a lot of knowledge. You guys definitely are one of the go-tos in the game for some of the best of the best uh, strategies and, and tactics when it comes to ABM. So great work. And uh, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Appreciate your kind words. And thanks a lot for inviting me. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Andre.